This is a test of the emergency podcast system. Activated by contract termination. Rumors of our demise are greatly exaggerated. Welcome to Stacy on the Right with your host, Stacy Washington. She's blessed to be a Bible reading, gun toting, Air Force veteran, wife, and mom, righteously American. Welcome to the podcast. It's so good to be with you today. I am so excited to speak to our next guest. We have Shermichael Singleton. He is the co-host of Guns Out TV and a political analyst. Shermichael, I I enjoy your work all over. Um, Can you tell us a little bit about Guns Out TV before we get into our discussion about the Second Amendment? Yeah, no. First, thanks for having me on the podcast, Stacey. So Guns Out TV was an idea that my good friend John Keith and I came up with. John is a former 12-year Marine a veteran, he was a sergeant, worked at uh, the Pentagon, worked at Quantico. And so both of us were avid shooters, generally speaking. Uh, I grew up shooting, got into some competitive stuff, but never really publicized that just because of the perception with firearms, generally speaking, especially being an African-American man. And John said, you know, maybe we should just start recording this and put it on um, YouTube. And I was like, well, I don't know, John, if I really want this out. And I said, okay, you know what, why not? We did. We loved the idea. Uh, Ended up pitching it to get it on television. And then television went okay. And then after the stuff that happened at the Capitol, you know, they said, oh, this isn't a great time for a gun show, so we're going to cancel you guys, which happened. And that was great because that ended up leading us to Recoil TV, which is a sort of big thing in the gun world. And now we're getting ready to be picked up by the largest digital network in the firearms industry, uh, which has, I think, a couple million paid subscribers a month. So it's so funny just how everything is sort of worked in our favor to, to reach an even bigger audience, which is the goal always, right, was to normalize firearms particularly as two people of color, to show that African-Americans can have firearms and, and, and handle them in a positive light and not in a negative light, which is typically what we see associated uh, via television and movies. So true. I, you know, it's it's hard because I support the Second Amendment fully. We own guns. We, we shoot. We have uh, concealed carry and all of that. And the kids know how to shoot. But the perception is if the five of us, my husband and I and our three kids, pose with our guns, that kind of looks like something there might be wrong. But if my girlfriends who happen not to be black get together with their kids and pose with guns, you know, flags, T-shirts, all that stuff, same situation, it's kind of like, woohoo, America. And we're Americans and we're a part of America and we like firearms and we support the Second Amendment. And so changing that perception to one that is equally as patriotic and good is something I really, I, I love to see it. I, it's long overdue, and we need it here in America culturally. No, we absolutely do, uh, Stacey. And, and, you know, as African-American people, we have a long and storied history of, of gun ownership in this country, dating all the way back to slavery with various individuals rebelling against slave owners. Um, if you fast forward all the way up to the civil rights moment when Dr. King was denied an application for concealed carry, there were over a dozen African-American men who protected his home, who were armed after his home was firebombed. Uh, there's another group known as the Deacons of Defense. I don't know how familiar people are with them, but the Deacons of Defense were predominantly black men throughout the South 
um, who would join peaceful civil rights uh, protesters uh, with their armed firearms, visibly seen. And, and it wasn't to, to showcase violence or a threat, but it was to showcase if we are uh, attacked with violence, then we have the right, the means, and the training to reciprocate that attack. And that, and that was very important to showcase uh, that we weren't really screwing around about our freedoms and our liberties. And so the history is storied. I think people need to understand it. And again, I think breaking down the stereotypes that anytime you think of or see an African-American with a firearm, they're going to rob you or they're going to cause some type of a harm is really, really important, right? Because when you break down those stereotypes, one, it helps better educate the populace writ large, but it also, I would argue, sort of help propel a positive narrative and a message about black people standing up for the Second Amendment, recognizing and understanding the importance of the Second Amendment, particularly for our liberties and our freedoms, because people always like to say oh, we're a marginalized group of people. Well, if that is the case, then we should really be advocating for this more so than anybody else. <laughs> so true. Okay, so let's talk a little bit about um, the 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 Biden administration is on a gun control yeah. kick. They've passed a number of bills out of the House, and the bills aren't just your normal run of the mill gun control bills. There, there, There's a gun registration component. There's a psychological testing component that prevents you from being able to purchase ammunition or guns. Um, the, the invasion of privacy of having to disclose not just your guns, but their serial numbers, make, model, year purchased, and where they're stored in your home or business or car. Uh, and then there's the idea that um, the stigmatization of gun ownership would ensue from that because a public database of gun owners basically puts targets on everyone's backs. How how should we be mm-hmm. thinking about this? And as if we, if we say we're gun owners, not Democrats, not Republicans, but just simply people who own guns, because we know Democrats own guns, especially after last year, there were 8.3 mm-hmm. million new gun owners. How do we how do we talk about this? How do we make our point that this is not just a bad idea, but it's the road to tyranny? Yeah, well, first I will say, I think the legislation you're talking about, H.R. 8 and H.R. 1446, I believe both will fail in the Senate, um, one. Uh, secondarily, I think, and, and again, I'm you know, talking about this as an African-American from that perspective, because that is just so important to me. Um, I, look, Stacey, when you think about this, we already have the NICS system that was put into place in the early 1990s. The NICS system, since, in, since its inception, has prohibited 3 million individuals who just should not have had a gun at all, right? They were criminals, had a horrible background. C- clearly, it's worked. And then people say, well, what about this incident or that particular incident? Well, I was a policy guy for a long time in politics, and, and when I look at policy, Stacey, I'd like to base my assessments and analysis off of numerical data, off of quantified data. And those incidents represent less than 1% of the overwhelming majority of donors in this country. Stacey, we cannot lead legislatively based on that type of data points and figures. If that was the case, we'd have so many laws in this country, it would be impossible to do almost anything, number one. Uh, Number two, when you think about how this would disproportionately impact African Americans, as you know, we're already naturally distrusting of the government for a whole host of reasons, right? And so you talk about the 53%, 58% of black people, increase in black people who purchase guns in in 2020, that number is going to likely drop because there is likely going to be that stigma and that concern that, well, wait a minute here, am I now going to some kind of way be treated unfairly? 
unfairly rather because I'm now trying to purchase a gun. What does this mean for me? I already don't trust the government. I don't really know if I want the government in my business that much. I mean, you think about one, what that does to, to dispel people from purchasing firearms. That should be a primary concern. Again, the second concern about tyranny, when, when you think about prohibiting people's rights and abilities to keep and bear arms, and from my perspective, it leads to the role of, of control by the state, meaning the government. And I think this idea and notion that the government can protect you better than the individual can protect themselves is ludicrous. It's crazy. And Stacey, you know this. You know the data on this. If you're living in the inner city, for an example, the police may not arrive for, for 40 minutes, 30 minutes. And so someone's especially in your home, you don't want to have to rely on, on some random police. And, and again, I believe in support police officers. I have a ton of them in my family. But they may not get there fast enough, Stacey, is my point. And so we need to make it easier for good people to have guns versus making it harder. Because if you saw what happened in Chicago, when bad guys had guns and they outnumbered the good people, they were wrecking tyranny on those folks. And it wasn't until the older gentleman, African-American gentleman, filed a lawsuit that went all the way up to the Supreme Court where you finally began to see some balance. And you began to see, literally, you can look at the data on this, you began to see the numbers decrease and robberies, and home break-ins, because they, the criminals now knew, well, crap, I, I better think before I break in this home, because these folks may have a gun now. Or I better think before I try to rob this, this lady or this guy on the street, because he may have a gun on him now. And, and so you, you need to have that equal and level playing field. And again, this idea that we have to rely on government is ludicrous. And, and if I can say this, say this really quickly, if you look at Biden's statements from the White House, Stacey, he pointed to two things about why we need to pass this legislation. He said, one, we have to look at the number of school shootings. I think we all would acknowledge and admit, Stacey, that that's a, a horrible thing. But if you want to address that, we need to think about psychology and mental health in this country. That's the way you address the problem. You address the root of the problem, not something that's merely a symptom of the problem. Then the second thing he pointed out was, well, inner-city violence, and he said, African-Americans know more than anybody else the total inner-city violence takes on them as a community of people. Yeah, we do. But, but President Biden, if you're really concerned about inner-city violence, let's talk about rebuilding the black family and having a, strong, a, str a stronger family unit. Let's talk mm -hmm. about education safety. Let's talk about jobs and economic opportunity. Again, addressing the root of these problems versus the symptom of slapping a Band-Aid on it, that's how you, you decrease uh, gun violence in America. Guns have been around safety since the inception of this country. Yet this phenomenon has only been in existence for the past 30 years. Clearly, there is something socially and culturally wrong in our country that we are missing that we need to address. It's not the guns. It's not. And I think the points you're making about what Biden has pointed to, it, it, it's always the black community that is used to justify government takeovers, whether it's, you know, schools or or especially firearms um, takeovers and health, um, everything that Democrats want to do to increase the size of government and its scope, they first say, well, look at the black community, look at how they're suffering and, you know, X, Y, or Z. I'm tired of being used as a bludgeon to force government into the lives, further into the lives of Americans. Black communities are not the primary reason for us to have larger government. In fact, it's a textbook example of why we need smaller government, limited government, and government that is more in touch and involved with the people that are being served. Because I, I know that Biden 
talks as if he's our dad. You know, we can have some gatherings at, uh, you know, the the 4th of July if we all get vaccinated. (laughs) But the truth is he's not. He's our public servant. That house he lives in belongs to us. He is there through the consent of the governed, whatever the process was in November. And we are it's incumbent upon us, Shermichael, to make these government officials aware of the fact that we are we still we still believe in the Constitution. We're still aware it exists and we know what it says. Um, I, it, you have been awesome. Thank you so much for joining us today. I hope you will consider coming on with us at night uh, over at Sirius for your big announcement when you're when when you transfer over to your new larger platform. Uh, we'd love to yeah, chat with you yeah, about Guns Out TV. Awesome. Thank you, Stacy. Thanks so much. And I would absolutely love to do that. And and I would also like to bring my co-host John on if if you wouldn't mind. Yes, going to make the announcement in a couple of weeks. It's going to be really really great and huge. And I think we're going to really have a positive. Um, a positive impact on on the firearm and 2A community. And, and, and if I could say quickly to your point about Biden, we we as as black people should not trust any government. I don't care if it's led by Republicans or Democrats. We just should not trust it. The government, with the exception of civil rights legislation, and that was not because of government. That was because of black people marching in the street, and then of course some some non-black allies as well. I have to give recognition to those individuals. But it was not because of government. It was because of people marching and literally brute force getting arrested. Some people even losing their lives for civil rights to even come into existence it was not because of government. Government is not our friend, Stacy. And and I would say while government should be utilized to accomplish our legislative goals, we as a community of people have to start becoming more insular in our outlook. Democrats, Republicans, and you know, I've been a conservative. I was a Republican for a long time. Now I consider myself an independent because from my perspective, and I think this is why Trump did so well, you can't trust political parties. You just can't. And, and I think people need to look at both of them and figure out what is the best way for me to accomplish my strategic aims while also doing the best that I can as a, as a community or a group of people to make sure that we're living up to our highest ideals and expectations. That is what we need to do. We don't need to look to Democrats. We don't need to look to Joe Biden. We don't need to look to anyone outside of trying to accomplish legislative goals. But as far as some of our internal problems, we have to get to the point where we can be raw and real with ourselves, Stacey, and say we have to fix them. And, and I'm not saying that there aren't certain uh, systemic or societal things that impact us perhaps a little more than others. I'm not not acknowledging those things, Stacey, but how long are we going to continue to say, well, you know, please fix this for us, please do this? It's not happening. And so at some point, you have to have enough self-awareness to say, you know what, screw this, we're going to do it on our own. And, and, and that's why I've been such a big proponent of the Second Amendment and a big proponent of gun rights, because it is a part of that whole aspect, in my opinion, of black people regaining our own liberties, regaining our own freedoms and saying, you know what, we don't need anyone else to do anything for us. We have all the resources, all the tools, all the intellectual faculties to do it on our own. If you look at our history in this country, what we were able to go through and overcome, you can't convince me, Stacey, that there's nothing we cannot do if we put our minds to it. We just need to be reminded of that again. Absolutely. Well, you know what? Thank you so much for being with us today. Sure, Michael Singleton, co-host of Guns Out TV, political analyst. It has been a fantastic opportunity for us to speak to you today. Thank you so much, Casey. Thank you. All right. That is another podcast for the ages all about guns. You can find out more at listen.staceyontheright.com. Also, familyvisionmedia.org. We'll be back with you again soon.
Obamacare. The very sound of it makes many of us cringe because we know our choices have been limited and the premiums just keep going up every year. We send our money to big insurance companies who cover elective abortions and profit from us while we struggle to make the monthly payments. Aren't you ready to break free from the shackles of high-cost health care? Please meet my friends at the Alliance for Shared Health, ASH for short. ASH is a health share ministry with over 40,000 households participating. They integrate best-in-class health care access solutions with the health share world to solve the health care crisis. As a member, you share in the financial burden related to catastrophic health care expenses while also having your own needs met. It's so easy. You can access the virtual care provider at zero cost, pick up a prescription from the pharmacy using the share prescription card, and order expensive lab or imaging tests at discounts of 60 to 80%, conveniently accessed on your phone via the Share mobile app. Not only is ASH helping U.S. residents break free from government-controlled health care, ASH is an international health share ministry. $1 per household per month connects members to its East African health share predecessor, where thousands and thousands of lives are being saved through the ASH-funded pediatric hospital in the remote villages. With open enrollment here, now is your chance to save 50 to 70% on your monthly premiums while making a difference in the lives of so many in need. Reach out to Ash today. Visit ashcommunity.org. That's ashcommunity.org. Alliance for Shared Health. Changing healthcare, changing lives.